This podcast is an unedited excerpt from an MCLE program presented at MCLE's Conference Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Get 24-7 instant access to over 500 business and commercial law e-lectures and more with a subscription to the MCLE Online Pass. Learn more at www.mcle.org slash online pass. Please note that MCLE's products, services, and communications are offered solely as an aid to developing and maintaining professional competence. The statements in this recording may not apply to your circumstances, and no legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice is being rendered by MCLE or its speakers. For full terms and conditions, please see the MCLE website. A few disclaimers, because that is what we do. I apologize for my voice. I have been speaking a lot lately, and uh, it is a little worn out. Uh, I also should say that, as many of you know, I am one of five commissioners, and the five of us uh, vote together on uh, implementing cannabis policy in Massachusetts. Everything that I say today is just the opinion of Kay Doyle. It is not necessarily the opinion of the Massachusetts Cannabis uh, Control Commission. For some reason, I think I'm in the wetlands right now. And um, I'm very happy to be here with you today and with you collectively on the web to talk about uh, the cannabis industry in Massachusetts in 2019 and where we're headed in the next few years along with the regulations that we have just amended. Uh, I think people are running to the Secretary of State's office today to file them. But uh, I just want to also give you a heads up that that is one of two regulatory amendment processes uh, that we pledged to do back in December of 2017. And the second one will be in 2020. So there will be further discussion and opening of the amendments regarding hopefully different topics than what we uh, discussed in 2019. But if you have found a particular issue to be problematic in the regulations, now is the time to communicate and engage with the commission on whatever that issue is. So quick flashback. Uh, Some of you are well aware of this, but for those who aren't, uh, we all voted in November 2016 on question four uh, to integrate the ballot Uh, language with existing state law. The legislature took some action uh, following the vote in November 2016 and uh, changed quite a few things in the legislation, ultimately passing the law in July of 2017. We on the Cannabis Control Commission were appointed two months later. We are now finally entering our third year. Um, We miraculously managed to file regulations by March of 2018, which is why we have to reopen them a couple times because that was obviously a very big rush. And uh, we started licensing marijuana establishments in April of 2018. Uh, We issued our first provisional license, and a provisional license, for those of you who are not familiar, is essentially like a probationary license. It's basically acknowledging that you've completed the application process and that you are launching into seeking local permits or building out your facility if you've already acquired those local permits. After that, you'll have a number of inspections and you will be eligible for a final license. 
following the final license, you will be subject to even more inspections. And uh, you, if you are so lucky, may receive a notice to commence operations, which will allow you to go forward. And the first time that we had a notice to commence operations was in November of 2018. We, in our infinite wisdom, uh, allowed two places to open in uh, the central western part of Massachusetts, one of which was on the only road to Walmart the week of Black Friday. So you may have seen some news stories about the traffic that resulted from the combination of the two things. Um, just a quick refresher on the personal use limits. Uh, there is a strict limitation of one ounce of marijuana, five grams of concentrate on your person. In your primary residence, it's quite a bit more, but it is the same amount uh, that patients are allowed to possess in terms of the 10 ounces of marijuana under the medical program. The gifting limit, and this has been quite an issue in some communities, is that a person may gift one ounce of marijuana or five grams of marijuana concentrate to a person. A gift cannot be advertised or promoted to the population. So if you see a store, like a t-shirt store, saying that they will gift you a $45 t-shirt, or they will sell you a $45 t-shirt with a gift of cannabis, that is not a gift. That is a conditional sale. Uh, so, something to keep in mind as you go forward. On the residential possession, uh, this is the breakdown on this slide of how things may be possessed. You cannot have cannabis sitting in um, your window to advertise that it's there, and the reason for that is obvious. It's still a very valuable plant, and we do not want to encourage home invasions or violence. There are a number of different types of licenses that we've authorized under the adult use program. And for the moment, this only applies to the adult use program. On the medical side, the licenses are what is called vertically integrated. So all of the, the aspects of growing, producing, and selling the plant live under one roof. On the adult side, however, it uh, resembles a mainstream business more closely. It is separated out, and you can own one or many licenses, depending on what is permitted under the regulations. Cultivation is exactly what it sounds like. These are the people who grow the plants. They can grow, and they can wholesale to other entities, but they cannot sell directly to consumers without additional licensing. Craft cooperatives are a particular kind of cultivator. They need to meet certain requirements, including residency requirements, uh, having a member that is a Schedule F uh, filing farmer within the past five years. And they must also run the cooperative according to the International Cooperative Alliance principles. Um, Similar is a micro-business. It is a, a type of cultivator or a type of product manufacturer or both, but they have size constraints on them, hence the word micro. A product manufacturer is someone who takes the plant and turns it into the various kinds of products, uh, you know, vapes, uh, controversial these days, obviously, oils, edibles, lotions, etc. Retail is uh, the folks who sell it directly to the consumer. 
Research uh, is a license that we are still working on, quite frankly, because there are so many federal constraints on research into this product. But we do hope to make uh, research licenses available so that we can try to learn more about this plant, including its harms and its benefits. Transporter license uh, evolved from a request from farmers. They wanted to grow the plant, but not necessarily have anything else to do with it. So they did not want to have to invest in a fleet of secure vehicles because our security requirements for vehicles are such that it could be an expensive proposition. We therefore have allowed both uh, third-party transporters and existing licensee transporters. Third-party transporter is someone who may not otherwise touch the plant but does provide transportation services for the plant. Uh, existing licensee transporter is likely one of the larger entities that already has a fleet of secure vehicles that they want to monetize uh, more effectively, and so they contract out to other businesses to provide transportation services. Independent testing labs are a critical uh, part of this equation, and they are the ones who make sure that the plant being uh, provided by legally licensed places are in fact clean. When I was at the Department of Public Health and we were first uh, adopting testing protocols, it was amazing how much um, metal, the heavy metals would come up in the testing of the plants and it is uh, crucial uh, if you have friends who uh, consume this product to emphasize to them that if they are not having product that is tested, they may be consuming high, high levels of heavy metals, um, cadmium, mercury, arsenic, etc., as well as pesticides, which sometimes change in dangerous ways when you process them. And when I say process, I mean heat them up and smoke them into your lungs. So it's important to make sure that your friends and loved ones are consuming off the legal market if they want to um, consume cannabis in the healthiest way possible. So delivery was something that we had originally discussed in December of 2017. Uh, after some feedback, we decided to put it off and uh, consider it at the second rollout of regulations, which we just completed. And uh, I have to commend Commissioner Britta McBride for the extensive and careful work she did on the delivery program. And we're gonna talk about it in detail in a few minutes because there are a lot of limitations on it and a municipal council need to be aware of what they are. The other license type that we deferred until just a few months ago was social consumption. And this is the um, on-site consumption which is prohibited uh, in the other license types in a social setting such as a bar or cafe type environments. We have not yet dealt with event licensing. I know we have had some questions from municipalities about event licensing. That has been put off till the round that is coming up in 2020 because again, it posts some unique challenges in terms of how to fit it in with the statute and existing state law. So the licensing process very quickly is, as you see here, three separate sections, uh, the fourth of which is pay your fee. Um, and it, it is involved. Um, it does require you to demonstrate a number of different things, including that you have an adequate background check. And the background check issues are uh, very detailed and handled in a way that I think is very appropriate for uh, what we're dealing with here. One thing to be aware of is that we are unable to um, 
reject someone who has a background check that shows a conviction for cannabis unless the cannabis conviction involves distribution to a minor. So we occasionally get someone who is a bit upset about that, and I just want to flag it for you that that is a statutory prohibition and there's nothing we can do about it. And I would also highlight that it does seem a little odd to prohibit someone who has done something uh, prior to legalization uh, after legalization rolls around because they were caught doing it. So um, other than that, municipal information that is required is, of course, the um, demonstration that the host community agreement has been signed and that also the uh, place is going to be compliant with local bylaws and ordinances, which you would not think would be required, but we have had some communities get confused about whether or not where they are going to locate a facility is in fact compliant with buffer zone requirements and their own zoning bylaws and have mistakenly approved something that actually they later realized couldn't possibly be located at the address implicated. There are two separate groups in the applications that I need to highlight. One, the priority RMD applicants mean um, the existing medical operators. Uh, that are in good standing with the Department of Public Health and now the Commission because both programs are under us. The economic empowerment applicant, which becomes more meaningful in a few slides, uh, is an applicant who meets certain criteria demonstrating experience in business practices <coughs> that promote economic empowerment in communities that have been disproportionately impacted by high rates of arrest and incarceration for drug offenses. These are the current areas of disproportionate impact in the state. And if you notice, some of the larger cities have an asterisk next to them. It's because not the entire city has been found to be disproportionately impacted and it is further subdivided into particular census districts. Local control, I'm sure most of you are familiar with considering the crowd that I'm talking to. Um, but there are certain statutory requirements regarding placing limits on adult operations, um, a ban, a limit under 20% of the liquor licenses, and a limit to less than the number of RMDs in your community. And it's important to flag the upcoming date of December 31st, 2019, because the requirements will change as to how to implement these various restrictions. And Katie, are you touching on that? Okay, then I'm gonna leave you to it. Um, host community agreements have been in the news quite a bit. There is legislation pending um, on the Hill, but until such time, there probably isn't much we can say about that. So uh, we'll keep going. Um, delivery, so let's get into this. Um, there are limitations on who can deliver. And um, let me just explain the background for this. So in the statute, in addition to asking us to roll out um, the adult use industry, there were also um, directives that we needed to pay attention to particular issues. And one of the most important ones is social justice issues. If you read the statistics on how the so-called war on drugs was carried out, not only throughout the country, but here in our neck of the woods, it's appalling. And so we want to go back and do what we can to try and provide rest, restorative, I can pronounce it, I can do it, I can't pronounce it, restorative efforts um, to 
you know, recognize the harms that have been done in the past and then help lift up people who have been harmed in the past. So one way of doing this in an industry that is capital intensive without the normal paths at the moment, watch Congress, things are happening. At the moment, we don't have normal paths to banking, to loans. There's no such thing as a minority small business loan in this world. All there is is private equity at the moment. And the same institutional problems that exist um, carry through to private equity. So the people that we want to lift up are not necessarily the same people that are going to be considered by people who give private equity. So here's a plan. We are going to limit for 24 months and possibly longer the distribution of these licenses to the following. Certified economic empowerment priority applicants, social equity program participants, and I'll stop right here because I haven't talked about the social equity program. This again is a, a program aimed at helping raise up communities that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. And what we do is after we identify those who are eligible, we provide training. And we've, we've done three sessions of training for the first cohort of this group, uh, basically taking them and giving them the kind of business training that they may not have had available to them otherwise. It's been really great to be a part of, and I highly recommend checking out in detail the social equity program on our website. Um, last but not least, the micro businesses that receive a delivery endorsement, which is a separate little uh, approval. So again, small business and uh, communities disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs will have an exclusive opportunity on delivery licenses for two years. And that two years hasn't started yet. Because one of the things we've seen is it takes a while for people to ramp up. So the two years will have a trigger date. And um, that has yet to happen. So where can they deliver? Delivery is restricted to municipalities that have authorized by zoning bylaw, by general bylaw, usually typically zoning, retail marijuana in their town. Municipalities that have a delivery service within their borders can have delivery within their town. Or municipalities that notify the commission that they have opted in to delivery by a bylaw, ordinance, or regulations. And I just want to highlight the notify the commission part of that because um, while we do try to reach out to municipalities to make sure that we have accurate information, because there is municipal information going up on our website, um, and it's taken us two years to collect it. It's sometimes difficult to get information from municipalities, so please, you know, if municipalities are hoping to have delivery in their town, please make sure if they do not have retail marijuana authorized in their community, or they do not have a delivery service, which they won't yet because none of them are licensed, but if they do in the future, they need to opt in by doing a bylaw ordinance or regulation, and then they need to tell us that they've done it. That second part is the one I worry won't happen. Delivery is prohibited to certain locations. Dormitories, university housing, commercial hospitality operations, hotels, etc., bed and breakfasts, and federally subsidized housing. So, there's a lot of concern about diversion 
with delivery. So we have to pre-verify a consumer's age and identity, either at a marijuana retail establishment or otherwise. Um, if there are mobility problems, obviously we'll do what we can. Registered medical patients already have pre-verification because they have those cards. So that is not an issue for them. This is only for adult consumers who do not have a medical card. For security, there is vehicle cameras. The lock boxes in the vehicle are secure. Body cameras for adult use vehicles only. Some <coughs> medical delivery services have opted to have body cameras, but the adult services have to have body cameras on them. And the videos are going to be retained for 30 days. Law enforcement will be able to get them, but under very limited circumstances. Um, we have carefully tailored that. Social consumption. Under the state law, social consumption licenses cannot happen in a municipality until a certain process has undergone. Unfortunately, that process doesn't actually exist. This was just uh, oversight while drafting occurred that the legislators are currently working very diligently to fix, but it is not yet done. Once that get resol gets resolved, we will have a pilot program, again, for a two-year period, <coughs> but we will be selecting which municipalities get to participate and there will only be a maximum of 12 for those first two years. And you have an advantage to be part of that pilot program if you participated in the work group. So North Adams, Amherst, Springfield, Provincetown, and Somerville participated in the work group and will therefore you know, have that uh, advanced eligibility to participate if they choose to exercise it. Other communities may be determined to be eligible, but there will be a process for that. There is, again, limits on who can run a social consumption establishment. Um, here you see the social equity program participants and the economic empowerment priority applicants, again, the micro-businesses, again, and the, the additional ad of a craft marijuana cooperative. And um, this was something that I actually pushed because... Uh, some of our folks in Western Massachusetts have ideas about having a uh, Napa Valley of cannabis in Western Massachusetts. So we all have that to look forward to. Um, what can they do at a social consumption establishment? We're a little penned in by the federal situation in terms of food. Um, we have to be very careful about how to deal with that situation. So. At the outset, until that is resolved, you will be able to obtain prepackaged, shelf-stable products. Um, you will be able to vape indoors if there is an appropriate HVAC system installed, and you will be able to smoke outdoors with municipal permission. The town needs to sign on to this in a designated area in compliance with outdoor tobacco smoking rules. You will also be able to consume prepackaged, shelf-stable, non-infused products, such as chips, non-infused brownies, cookies, etc., and non-infused beverages. So, 
The rest of my slides are probably familiar to many of you and go over the operational requirements of our regulations, but quick highlights are that this is incredibly comprehensively regulated. We have some of the tightest testing protocols in the country for products, and we have tried to keep in mind municipal needs <coughs> in making sure that municipalities in cooperation with our investigators are able to go into um, these facilities. Um, the security requirements are very strict in terms of alarming, in terms of video surveillance, and making sure that local law enforcement is involved and consulted in the security plan. Uh, important and a flag for everyone, we are considered the nation leaders on uh, addressing climate change in the cannabis industry, and it is a significant issue. Um, we have a number of guidances on our website, and I anticipate that you will be seeing two more rolling out within the next few weeks on energy efficiency in particular. If you are in a community or represent a community that has a municipal light plant, you may want to have them reach out for me to me just to talk about, over these issues because um, we are trying to take um, significant steps to make sure that the cannabis industry um, is well regulated and compliant in terms of the Global Warming Solutions Act. Marketing and advertising is very tightly restricted. Uh, we are doing our very best to make sure that legalization of cannabis for adults does not lead to increased use in uh, children, and we're very encouraged by studies that demonstrate that tight restrictions such as ours have contributed to the fact that youth, has not, youth use has not gone up in states that have done this. So uh, in the presentation, which will be made available, you can see the details of this, um, but they largely are common sense and basically uh, come out of the idea that this should not be put in the face of children. It should not be made appealing to children. For those of us old enough to remember Joe Camel, you cannot put cartoonish characters or celebrity endorsements designed to appeal to young people on these products because we don't want them to be uh, tempted to uh, try these any earlier than is appropriate under law. Labeling, very important these days. Uh, we just amended the regulations so that in addition to the things that you see on this slide, additives, thinners, and thickeners will be identified, which is a very important issue regarding the ongoing vaping crisis. So please look out for that. Um, these are the warning labels. Uh, the running joke is we call this a universal symbol, and each state has a different universal symbol, so it's not so very universal. Good luck, federal government, when you try to sort out which one you're going to adopt. Um, we have the lowest single serving dose uh, of five milligrams of THC, and that comes from talking to veteran states that already had programs and them recommending uh, going lower because they started out at 10 and weren't happy with the result. So uh, we are at five. Training. Uh, you may have seen in the news we just announced four of the responsible vendor trainers who will be doing uh, training for uh, marijuana establishment agents. These responsible vendor training programs are done uh, according to a curriculum that we have designed and uh, the program must last at least two hours the marijuana establishment agents are required to certify they have eight hours of training per year. 
two of which at least must be a responsible vendor training. If anyone is interested in um, getting some uh, print media for their office or for their town's Board of Health, these are available on the Clearinghouse site. Uh, I can give you the information if you don't already have it. But this gives out information and education on knowing the law and what you need to know as a parent. We also have Facebook ads, website ads, occasionally print ads, billboard ads. Here is our website. You'll also see it on the back of my laptop. And we also have an open data platform. If anyone is interested in uh, doing some research of their own, you can manipulate uh, the search terms so that you can come up with data uh, that is pertinent to your inquiry. Uh, and we are adding more information to the open data platform uh, regularly. So that is it for me. Did I end on time? Close. I do have one question that was submitted during sure. your presentation, so we'll maybe just take that one first. And, sure. um, we have a question about delivery, mm -hmm. and what precisely is a delivery endorsement, and what does it mean to host a delivery service, mm -hmm. and what does it mean to opt in? So there's sort okay. of three parts right there. So let's, I think we'll go back to the delivery slide just to help the discussion. She says, probably flying right past it. There we go. So uh, and I think that you, they heard, I don't need to repeat the question, right? I just repeated yeah, it, so, so I think you're good. Um, micro business with a delivery endorsement. So um, in state agency world, you sometimes have a base license that entitles you to certain things, and then you can get additional authority to do other kinds of businesses by an additional endorsement. Uh, so that is what is happening here. We have just uh, set up a system where a micro business, if you just have a micro business license, would be eligible to process, I guess, 2,000 pounds or grow 2,000 pounds of cannabis a year. Oh, no, sorry. It can process 2,000 pounds of cannabis a year into lotions, et cetera, and it can be a tier one or tier two license, which is up to 10,000 square feet of um, cultivation space. But with just that license, you wouldn't be able to deliver. You have to separately apply for a delivery endorsement to be able to participate in the delivery program as a micro business. So that is essentially what that is. I hope that explains that. Um, in terms of opting in, so uh, this essentially is a way for towns that may have partially banned or banned cannabis or not dealt with cannabis yet to signal that they are okay with delivery vehicles coming into their community. And um, we wanted to respect the local control that municipalities are provided under the law. So we have opted for a process uh, that is very public for the discussion of bylaw, ordinance, or regulations. And um, essentially, the town needs to go, or the city needs to go through that process uh, if they don't otherwise qualify under the first two options and then notify the commission that through this process, through adopting a bylaw, adopting an ordinance, or uh, enacting regulations, that they have in fact decided to allow delivery into their community. Did I miss anything? Um, 
What does it mean to host a delivery service? It just means having a delivery service within your community. In other words, the actual, for lack of a better word, garage. You know, so say a delivery service is um, based in your community. Perhaps based would be an easier word to use. If you have a delivery service that is based in your community and their delivery vehicles are leaving from your community, you are deemed to have accepted delivery within your community as well. So great. Well, thank you. Thanks, Kay. Well, I'm, gonna introduce I'm sure we'll, we'll come back to you with more questions.